This is the Dirt Reporters Podcast for the week of July 7th. As we come off a busy stretch of racing over the 4th of July weekend, I'm DirtOnDirt.com staff writer Joshua Joyner, joined as always by the rest of the Dirt on Dirt editorial staff for our weekly discussion on all the news, results, and notable topics of dirt late model racing. Uh, joining me today is Dirt on Dirt weekend editor Robert Holman. Robert, I, uh, I thought you were supposed to be on vacation, and, and here you are on the podcast with us. Just couldn't stay away, huh? Uh, no, I couldn't. Uh, I'm a trooper, you know, uh, it's, it's raining here in Florida or Gulf Shores, uh, South Alabama. And so, uh, so I'm just kind of, uh, uh, sitting here trying to get caught up on, on all the racing stuff myself, you know, there you go. Might as well, since it's raining and can't hang out on the beach, might as well hang out with us here. Speaking of on vacation, someone who is definitely not on vacation this week is, uh, Todd Turner, who is in the middle of his turn on the summer nationals and, uh, coming off of five straight nights of com- covering the tour without a single rain out there last week. Todd, uh, how's your uh, trip going up, up there with the Summer Nationals? Uh, it's been productive and entertaining. I would like to see, uh, you know, we only had Bobby Pearson, Brandon Shepard winning. So I'd like to see a little more variety of winners, but I got uh, one more night here and uh, it's been a good stretch. Speaking of one more night after that, I believe it'll be Kevin Kovac, our senior rider, taking over. Kevin, you getting ready to, to hit the tour for, you, for your turn coming up this week? Yes. I, yeah, I'm thanking Todd for uh, taking tonight's uh, the Tuesday night race at Nashville, Illinois for me. Uh, I was on it, but I, I, I made a good trade with him, I think. he. Uh, uh, I'm doing Beckley and with next week, the Southern Nationals races. So I took them from him. So that's a good, that's a two for one trade. That's a good trade for him, I would say, right? That's fair. Yeah. Okay. That's good. There we go. <laughs> if, uh, if you've seen Beckley, the, uh, the, the, the marathon that was on Sunday, he, you might, uh, Kevin be re- regretting that. So we'll, uh, I'm we'll hoping it won't take that, that long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, it was exciting though. So, uh, you know, at least they had that, but we'll obviously talk more a little bit about, uh, the, the race there at Beckley, the, the wild finish, uh, there with Zach Dome winning 20,000. We'll talk more about the summer nationals. Uh, but first let's talk, a little bit about the results of the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series doubleheader in Ohio from the past weekend, where Jonathan Davenport earned his third straight series victory there Friday night at Portsmouth. But just as it seemed like Davenport was kind of taking over the momentum, I guess, in the Lucas Oil points race, of course, that was the third straight win going back to Magnolia. Tim McCready steals it back uh, with a dominant victory in Saturday's event at Muskingum County Speedway. I watched both of these races and, uh, of course, the post-race interviews as well there on Mad TV Plus. And to me, McCready's interview after finishing uh, third there on Friday was was kind of telling. He he wasn't negative or anything, uh, but you could just sense that he was starting to get frustrated watching Davenport kind of get on his, the hot streak that he's been on and kind of like just closing in and closing in in that points race. And then for McCready to come out and not just win there on Saturday, but to dominate, uh, it felt like it was something he really needed as far as a momentum swing uh, in the in the points chase. He still got a decent points lead. I think it's 160 points after the Ohio doubleheader there. Uh, but it really felt like that was a win that he really needed. Like Davenport was really kind of almost destined to erase that points lead and catch him. Um, and then to get that win kind of turned it around. Kevin, you know, seeing that and seeing how that played out, do you agree that that was a, a win that Kevin kind of, I'm sorry, that McCready really needed to have at that time? Yeah, I think he, you know, like a, McCready's always uh uh, he's a happier guy when he wins races and it makes everything better, you know, when you, when you're in victory lane. So, um, I'm, I'm sure that that, the, that was a big one for him just, you know, to, I mean, it's a very busy month coming up. I mean, I, I, if Davenport were to win and won four in a row and even if McCready would have finished second, 
it's still McCready's such a competitive guy that he would have wanted, he'd have been thinking about not winning that race and Davenport getting a little bit closer in the points. And there seems like there's a race almost every night of the week, it seems, for the for the next uh, few weeks uh, for the Lucas Oil Series. It's, gonna be, it's probably one of their uh, most grueling stretches ever, especially those five nights in a row at, at uh, I-80 coming up in a couple of weeks. I think it's uh, it was important for McCready uh, for you know the whole team. I mean they're right there. They're they're focused on winning that Lucas Oil Championship. I mean they've given up a few other races this year uh, to make sure that they're prepared as best they can be to win that title. And and I think this and and this shows that they're ready. I mean they they got their nose to the grindstone a little bit uh, when uh, when Downpour started getting on a streak. And and that's what you got to do. I mean if a guy gets on a streak. That makes the other guys get better. We talked about that with Brandon Overton saying, uh, you know, if fuel his his streak fueled up the other everybody else. So I think uh, Davenport did the same for McCready. And even though they worked together kind of in the Longhorn camp and uh, McCready, he, he pushed back that first little push now, I think, for from Davenport. Yeah, it, it definitely feels like to me it might be, um, and, and no, no offense to Hudson O'Neill, but get turned into a little bit of a two-horse race in that points battle. And uh, I think Hudson O'Neill finished, I think eighth and 14th on those, those two Ohio races, which and he's still tied with Davenport for second, but it just feels like he's kind of maybe uh, slipping out of, out of touch with those two guys. Uh, Robert, would, would you agree with that? Uh, I think he could probably play a spoiler, whether or not it's uh, uh, just to kind of uh, keep JD back. You know, uh, anytime you have these races, like, like uh, Kevin said, multiple races and a, a tough grind, uh, you don't even have to be in the in the points race to kind of play a spoiler. You know, somebody's going to come in there and, and get points. Uh, don't count Hudson out. Anytime you have a team that that's that has that good, uh, you know, they're going to rebound and, and get some wins. So, uh, you know, and, and good finishes. So whether it be just finishing in front of Jonathan to kind of slow his momentum down or even Tim, you know, to, uh, in, in front of McCready uh, to kind of uh, steal points from him. You know he's going to be a factor in the points race, whether or not he wins it or not. He'll he'll be a factor, I think. You know, and to kind of touch on what what Kevin said about the the Longhorn camp, I understand how frustrating it is, and how Timmy might get a little frustrated there because it's one thing when you're getting outrun by another chassis brand, uh, but when you're getting outrun by not really a teammate, but you're getting outrun by someone who's coming from the same same camp, like we've said, you know, the Longhorn deal. Uh, you're, you start to wonder, what are they doing different than I'm doing? Uh, is it, whether it be tire prep or the engine program or, or anything like that, you're, you, you start to say, you know, we've got the exact same stuff as they do. Why are we getting outrun by them? We're, you know, and so you start to question that sort of stuff. So it's understandable that, that uh, McCready and his bunch kind of uh, went – not necessarily back to the drawing board, but went back to work and is like, hey, uh, we've got the same thing as they do. Let's go out and get these guys. And so it's very understandable uh, that, that that happens, uh, you know, the frustrating part for, for Timmy. Yeah, it was interesting in the uh, post race from uh, Muskingum County that McCready said he had, he and his his guys actually called Kevin Rumley uh, the night from the races for some input on their setup there for the feature uh, when he was so good. And he even mentioned how um, the, the whole Longhorn crew kind of bounced his ideas, the whole uh, group, even Davenport with Davenport. So it's kind of an interesting aspect there, you know, kind of a um, not really a teammate, but kind of a teammate you're racing against uh, there in the points battle. So it's going to be kind of interesting to see how that plays out. Kevin, do you have something you wanted to add? 
Yeah, just another quick little comment on Hudson O'Neill. Where uh, I th- I, obviously we're talking about him. He's like the newcomer. He's like got uh, uh, the young guy in that little group there of uh, of top three contenders for Luke's World Title, and um, he got off to such a great start. That's really what has him in there. I mean, he was really really strong, you know, down in in, in speed weeks, and and he's kind of carried that over. And he hasn't been quite as upfront in every race as the other two guys so far. And, and from what I feel like, I mean, I, I could see Hudson. Still, you know, there, there's it's not out of the realm of possibility. But if I'm ranking those three, obviously he'd be the um, the, the lowest odds there, I guess, uh, or the worst odds of, of winning it. Because I kind of feel like you gotta lose one before you win it. I mean, look at McCready. That's why I feel like McCready is the guy to win the title this year because he's come so close, especially a few years ago when he basically lost it in the last race with some bad luck in the Dirt Track World Championship. So I feel like it's it's coming along where. Uh, Hudson, this could be the year where he gets close, but not quite there. He's kind of you, you gotta you, you gotta have that little disappointment first before you before you get the title. Certainly feels like it's maybe more of McCready's time, as you're saying there, and, and, and O'Neill's just kind of emerging on the scene and getting that experience, like you said. So I uh, still even to be up there battling those guys, and if he ends up third, um, not saying he doesn't have a chance of contending with those guys. That's still a good year for him if he's able to maintain that. Other things coming out of uh, the Lucas Oil uh, doubleheader in Ohio or other news, I should say, specifically in Kingham County, is the uh, next year for 2022 uh, is a, they've um, expanded their fourth annual Fourth of July event with the Lucas Oil Series, turning it into a two-day show uh, with some prelim racing on Friday and then a big, I believe, 30000 to win finale on Saturday. So adding a, um, there's always a lot of racing on Fourth of July weekend, but a true big event major event on fourth of july weekend for the lucas oil series and probably i would imagine one of the big probably the biggest race ever at that track so uh pretty big news there uh also i thought it was worth noting that i i think i read where the the format this goes back to our discussion i'm sure they must have been listening to our discussion on the perfect big event format where we all kind of agreed that something similar to fairberry's split features on on friday um that pay have a payout and then uh you're ready for the set up the lineup for the big race on saturday would would be ideal because I believe they're going with a, a format similar to that. Todd, what, what's your take on that? Uh, uh, the big race there uh, for next year, looking ahead. I know it's a long way off, but looking ahead, what's your thoughts on the announcement of that race? I think that's that's you know the holiday weekends tend to have a lot of more medium-sized races. Uh, of course, we have the Show Me on Labor Day and Hillbilly on or the Show Me on Memorial Day Labor labor day hillbilly 100 but but in some ways you kind of dilute things on those holiday weekends so this is a little bit different for lucas oil to kind of have a, a focus race that uh that we'll have you know to be at the same track for two days and have those three thousand to win semi features and the the thirty thousand to win finale um yeah muskingum has been a long time steady track i mean they've run on the more or fourth of july weekend for the lucas oil series umpteen years uh so uh um yeah it's a big deal uh for them to to kind of uh, step it up and become not just another race definitely the, the other interesting thing to me about the ad addition of that race uh is just how full it makes the the summer schedule uh, not just for the lucas oil series but for the the sporting excuse me in general it's going to be really wide open and it already is this year's already there's just an insane amount of racing but from the uh, memorial day with the show me uh next year you're going to go west virginia motor speedway is going to have their big historic 100 weekend uh, i think paying fifty thousand, if i'm correct there and then you go to the dream you got magnolias still a pretty big show the week after that um and then you're heading into firecracker 
this race just announced in Skeeton County. I think there's, you know, there's a couple weeks there where maybe there's not as much racing. And then you're going into the big stretch of I-80, Fairbury, Cedar Lake, North, South, and the Topless. Like, it, it to me, it's like it's going to be every weekend there's going to be big races. And I'm just wondering, like, Todd, you mentioned kind of how so much racing on the holiday, uh, 4th of July kind of dilutes other events in a way. Does it, do we ever get to a point that having a big race every single weekend, and I'm, by big I mean, you know, paying 20000 30000 or more, does it ever dilute things when there's just so many of those races, Todd? Do you, do you ever feel like that, or is it just the more the merrier? I have a couple of different views of it. One of it is we've we've long wanted to have more bigger races and more bigger money races. And so I think this is kind of what this looks like. You know, hey, we're paying twenty thousand this weekend instead of ten. Hey, we're paying thirty thousand for this two day show. We're gonna expand and be bigger. And, and there's only so many weekends. So if we do want bigger money races, then this this is what it's gonna be. Uh now on the other hand, as a promoter or somebody that has these races, this isn't nineteen ninety saying, Hey, we got a thirty thousand to win, everybody's gonna come. Well, now it's it's not like that then. This is 30000 in today's dollars and, like we said, diluted with maybe some other races going on. Um, so you kind of got to keep your the standards of what a big race is. Maybe you're changing a little bit. And as a promoter, you have to, you know, kind of be happy with what you're getting with your, you know, when you put up that big money. You know, it's no longer put up big money. Oh, well, we have 80 cars. Probably not. Now, will you do you want to get the best cars, or if you're with the Lucas Oil Series, you're guaranteed those guys or whatever. Yes, that's that's a big deal. But but it is a it, it is a little changing of uh, uh, a changing standard for what a big race is and for what uh, what you can expect uh, and what uh, what we'll see with those. So I, I think there's good there's mostly good to it and overall, but it is you kind of have to adjust your expectations. I think. Definitely. I know, Kevin, I want to kind of pose the same question to you, but maybe see if you can put some perspective from the the drivers, because, you know, for so long covering the world of outlaws, you're you're around those those big name drivers, um, you know, traveling week in, week out and then getting those big shows every now and then, you know, from from that experience. And obviously with Dirt on Dirt as well, as much time as you spend around the drivers and knowing their attitude, do you, do you think I mean, they obviously must be happy about this or is it when there's so many big races, does it ever get? like maybe a little too much or kind of what do you think? How do you think the drivers feel about so much big money racing and big races uh, in a stretch like that? Well, they're always complaining about money that they're not being paid enough. So when it's, when it's thrown out there, it's, you know, like, and they don't support it, then I feel like, man, what, what's, what's going on here? You got to go support these big races. And uh, I think that they, they're liking the money out there. One thought I had sort of on, on this uh, situation with the more like going right from Memorial day, almost a big show, or twenty thousand or thirty thousand dollar plus every single weekend, almost right through Labor Day and 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 beyond actually, you know. So uh, it it, it I, where's one point where you think about it and like Mick, it could dilute the series themselves, you know. I mean, like it, it could be a point where uh, why it used to be like if you want to run a ten thousand dollar to win race, you go to the Outlaws or the or the, or the Lucas Oil Series. I mean, that's every weekend you could be guaranteed you're running for ten thousand dollars to win. Now there's so many other races that are ten thousand too. You don't get the show up money. You don't get um. Uh, you're not going to be guaranteed money or point fund at the end of the year. But you could be a guy like Brandon Overton, and if you win enough, 
you don't have to worry about that point fund money at the end and you've saved you know, saved a lot of miles going places and you've been able to go for the biggest races that you are. And uh, and even though like so there's if they have so many big races, there's going to be conflicts between Lucas Oil and World of Outlaws. So uh, you're, you're going to see your World of Outlaws guy. You might be looking at the Lucas Oil series and say like, well, look, at I'm going to miss some races by running the World of Outlaws and the same vice versa. Uh, like a Jonathan Davenport has been thinking about it, obviously this year by going to Bristol for that 50 grand in, in, in the, uh, March. And uh, it, it might pay off when there's so many big money races. Uh, you, you don't have to just maybe stay with the series for the whole time. You can make it work, uh, not relying on that show up money and the, in the in the point fund money at the end of the year instead it's kind of a pay me now or pay me later thing you know what i mean like you're gonna pay me now get get that big buck money go for the big money like brandon overton's doing every weekend or uh give up some of those big races because you got to go run a 10 grand race uh with your series far off and then but you're gonna maybe get some money back back the end of the year. So I think it, it could be more apt to, to go just run the big races instead of run a series. I, I, I kind of personally think just thought just uh, throwing around in my brain a little bit. Actually, I agree with that. And I think that's a, that wasn't the exact point I was asking, but I think it is a very well-made point and, and uh, important point that you look at a guy like, like Brandon Overton that everyone's kind of, you know, there's been a lot made about the schedule he's running that pick and choose hit and miss, whatever you want to call it. And now we're just more and more of these big races coming in. It makes more, even more sense to run a pick and choose where there's so many big races. You pick the pick and choose the ones you want to go to that you feel confident and you can, you know, be a threat to win rather than going to every single one of them. Right. Because then you get, you know, it's, it might be a little too much for a, um, you know, for a team. So it'd be interesting to see how it works out. If you see some guys, more guys choose to do what Brandon Overton's doing next year and just hit the big races they want to hit. And then maybe add in the, the smaller shows, uh, more regional shows if they want to, or just take weekends off like Overton's done the past few weeks in between uh, Eldora and, and Lernerville in this past week. So, uh, and then Robert, I'll, I'll kind of t- turn it to you because I know you kind of uh, have a, a, you know, you're, you're, finger on the pulse of the regional teams and, and kind of had to, you know, look at it from more of that regional perspective. And those guys, what do you think they think? Like the guys that, um, you know, that, that like to maybe hit, you know, a few Lucas Oil or World Outlaw shows when they come into their region. Um, now they're, they're it's turned into where every time they're going to want to run with them, it's pretty much a big race. You know, uh, um, it, it is that good for the regional guys. Obviously the, 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 the money to make the races more, but maybe it's a little more uh, it's tougher fields. Um, what do you think the regional guys are thinking as as we're seeing more of this schedule uh, expansion going on with the, the big events? Well, you know, first of all, I think you, you look back over the past decade, there's always there there have always been conflicts uh, between the two tours. Uh, when uh, the two tours started, began to sanction races that were previously unsanctioned, like the Topless 100, and uh, you know, just different different events. They there began to be conflicts, whereas oh, if I'm going to follow this series, I can't go to that race anymore, or I can't go to, well, now it doesn't really, if, if it's all this money on the table, it doesn't seem like it's going to matter so much if I can't go to that race. Okay, I'm not going to have, have the prestige of winning said race uh, that is a, a long-running race, but on the flip side of that, I'm going to go here, and I'm going to be able to make you know as much money or more. So as from a regional perspective, you know, to, to your question, I think the regional guys have to look at it two ways. Okay. When this tour or this big race comes to town, the start money, you know, anytime 
that the, the to win money increases. If the promoters do not increase also the start money, they're completely missing the point and missing the target of of what we what we do. Everybody has to get paid. Uh, if you increase a, if if you got a seven hundred to win rate a seven hundred dollar to race a uh, start to start race race pays seven hundred dollars for last place, and it pays ten thousand fifteen twenty thousand to win, and you increase that purse to thirty thousand to win. That last place money has to go up to a thousand dollars. It doesn't have to go up necessarily in the same percentage as say the winners share, but you've got to increase that start money because anytime that you ask a regional guy to come to a race that has a couple prelims where you're thrown in with the wolves, so to speak, and stay there for two or three days, it gets costly. So you've got to make sure that they are able to at least recoup some of their funds that they're spending on tires and uh, just staying there for three days and, and not being able to go anywhere else. Now, if I'm a regional guy and I look and I say, hey, this race right here is subject to bring uh, this subject, this race here is subject to bring all these guys here, I'd actually look around and say, hey, there's a $5,000 to win race. It's two hours or three hours away from home. Maybe I'll have a better chance at running top three at that race as I will top 10 against all these other guys. So I think it, I think it's, um, you know, I think anytime you have a situation to me, what the situation looks like is like, okay, I'm going to do you one better. All these races start paying more and more and more. It's like, okay, this race is paying this, or we're going to pay a dollar more, or we're going to pay $10,000 more. Anytime you have that kind of, uh, war, so to speak, it's not really a war, but you know, I think it's good for the drivers because, they have more opportunities to go out and make make money, and uh, I really think from a regional perspective, um, their eyes have to be opened up too. It's like, hey, you know, this race pays a thousand dollars to start. If we run top ten here, we might get three thousand dollars, you know, and that's like winning a regional race somewhere for some of these guys. So I, I think that that it's a a good thing for all the drivers across the board, but. I think you have to keep it in perspective. If that, if that, like I said, if that money to win goes up, you've got to pay more to start. Yeah, got to make sure they're uh, we're spreading the wealth, so to speak. So the the regional teams and the mid level teams, and even some of the weekly guys that uh, you know mostly run local might be enticed to to come and uh, and run these bigger shows because um, as we're seeing, there's just because you put big money out there to win uh, doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have a big field. Um, it's uh, car counts aren't what they used to be, even with big big money to win. You know, from a fan's perspective, I'm terribly disappointed when I go to a Lucas Oil race or whatever, and or in, I'm not just picking on Lucas race, but a big race, and I only see two or three of my local guys show up and support that when they come to my local track. That is terribly disappointing. You got to make sure that whether it be uh, a tire deal that they're, you know, you got to make sure that that somehow you entice, like you said, you got to entice these local guys to support. The big races at their own. If that doesn't happen, uh, we got to reevaluate what we're doing. So anytime, a, you know, if you've got um, a weekly show and they average 12 to 15 cars and then you have a big event and only five of those guys show up, then we're not doing something right. They're not doing something right to, to entice those guys to show up. 
Yeah, it's definitely a, a balance there, and there's a lot of factors that go into it when those when those guys decide not to show up and, and run that big big race. Um, sometimes you don't feel like you can be competitive with the top level guys, and um, but whenever you know if the money money to start is good enough, so the goal isn't to be competitive necessarily with the the winner of the race and threat to win, but at least make the show. Uh, you know, it, it should entice those guys. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, we look at that big money number to win, but also what's it pay to start is something uh, I think should also be paid attention to as these purses continue to, uh, which is a good thing, go up, but also the the start money would be nice to see go up as well in most cases. And in many cases they are. Uh, speaking of big races, there was uh, one on Sunday that may have snuck by some folks that were busy over the holiday weekend there with all the racing going on and other festivities. But Beckley in West Virginia had uh, their Beckley USA 100, uh, 100 lap, 20,000 to win unsanctioned race was originally supposed to be an Ironman series race and some uh, conflicts over sponsorship, fuel sponsorship there uh, caused it to go unsanctioned. And it was a, it was a wild one. It was, uh, I was actually watching that one live uh, as it was going on at 1 a.m. in the morning uh, there, I guess that would have been Monday morning at that point and uh, came down to uh, the last five laps, a restart with five to go. Jonathan Davenport is leading. May have had a right rear going down because it did eventually go flat, but whatever caused him to to slow up, Jacob Hawkins got a run on him. They go to Dyson back and forth, and seemingly out of nowhere, Zach Dome uh, comes in and kind of steals the show there and wins kind of just riding the bottom, sneaks to a $20,000 victory in the uh, closing laps there. Did any of you guys get to watch that race? Kevin, did you you see that one? Yeah, well, I didn't see it live, uh, but I did see the – I didn't have the stream there, but I I was watching – I watched the highlights, obviously, and – and that was a pretty wild race. I, I, heard, I heard some people throwing around the word race of the year for that. But, I mean, it was a good finish. But let's not get crazy. No, well, it's not happening. It, it wasn't the highlights. Watching the highlights, it may feel like race of the year. But I'm like, yeah. you're sitting there watching it. And you're sitting through all these cautions and everything going on. It was not race of the year. Did not have that, you know, that that feeling I, from my perspective. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hour and a half long race. It starts at 11.45 on a Sunday night. Okay, I guess a lot of people might have had off on Monday, but come on. I mean, that was just, that was, that was pretty sad. I mean, and I'm like, and it, but it was predictable because that last year's when the, when they had that, uh, the bigger race there too. And it was a pretty good finish with Tyler Herb and Dome and all them last year. That race was like at some ungodly hour too. So come on, let's, let's make this better. Let's not run support divisions before the thousand dollar to win i'm getting a, i'm a little rant here i'm gonna go on a rant here can i do that but uh uh <laughs> come on let, let, yeah i am gonna <laughs> preach on this it makes me angry when it like it was like the same thing from a lot learn from the last time and make it better let's make that I mean, i'm sure there weren't that many people that went in the pits to to really you know make that a great atmosphere after the race when it's 1 30 in the morning by the time it ends uh after you've been there for so many hours and uh so hey, come on, let, let's let's make these big races to what they should be, and and, and not like so late at night when, when there's not even a rain delay. I mean, sometimes you can't help it, but uh, let's let's look at it right from the start and make this is what we're gonna do, and and try to make this the, the big thing of the day. But but again, it was a good finish. Uh, um, Zach Dome, he's he knows how to to win at that place. There's no doubt about it. Let's just uh, uh, let's let more people would be seeing it if Zach Dome. Uh, would do it at 10:30 instead at the checkered flags falling uh, instead of 1:30. Uh, so, all right, that's my rant for the night for the day. 
<laughs> I I have to agree as the yeah, as uh as the one of us who was uh um picked to uh handle the coverage of that race for the website and had to stay up and watch it I would have much preferred although I got to go to the fireworks show in uh my home our hometown here and see all the fireworks hang out with family <laughs> that's, that's and still right. got home and, and plenty of time to to wait for the race to start so uh, I guess it kind of worked out but I would have rather Todd, uh, off before, the topic one quickly thing uh, Todd had one of that at uh, Fayette County also on Saturday that was a pretty long show also right Todd <laughs> um, yeah I got my fill of fireworks and uh, unfortunately right before the feature instead of afterwards yeah I'm not sure that whole show's even over yet because they had an entire show of support divisions after the th- after two more features following the summer nationals and that was already so they could have been running until the sun come up we don't even know but todd you didn't stay to see the support division <laughs> i can't uh, believe they no did. he decided to leave after the late models they did have team car racing that was supposed to be the last feature of the night and todd had mentioned it. him and derek kessinger our d suave were going to be involved in that race they were going to do the team car event and enter but I, I guess they did scratch from that right todd yeah, we, we scratched. We uh, gave up our $10 start money and edit out. <laughs> yes, I guess they wouldn't let y'all enter the uh, dirt on dirt van. Is that why y'all, y'all scratched from that one? Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, oh, uh... Okay. Well, getting back on track here, I was, I was wanting to focus more on the wild finish. Uh, and the unpredictability <laughs> of the uh, the outcome of the of the race there, but I do think uh, Kevin's rant was probably needed, and, and <laughs> you know we, that's one thing. Hopefully, we can avoid those late nights in the future. But uh, it, anyway, getting back to the wild finish there, it, it kind of brought up a you know idea in my head to kind of us uh, maybe throw out some some wild finishes we've seen or unpredictable results uh, that we've seen covering races. Uh, in the past, what well, that may have reminded us of, and the one that I'll start because I was I was there and it's fresh on my mind um, from from last year uh, was the National 100 at East Alabama Motor Speedway. Which, as I'm watching the Beckley race on Sunday, I keep this is like this feels exactly like the National 100 from my, uh, East Alabama last year, where um, it was just a marathon of a night started late on a Sunday night uh and dragging on and then caution after caution uh flat tires same thing happened at, at beckley there's uh i think three davenport mccready um i think mccready had one i know uh, tyler all had flat tires so a lot of guys having flat tires and it's just like is this race ever gonna gonna end is anyone gonna get get to the end and then national 100 of course you had the dramatic uh unexpected finish with parker martin um getting into the back of jason hyatt after jason hyatt had just just passed him and and of course, it was my, my brother, Joseph Jordan, ended up winning. And I will say that I had no expectation of him winning that race at any point until the last lap. And I was still talking about my brother there, you know, who, you know, you know, I'll go ahead and say I, I kind of pull for and like to see run well. But I wouldn't, wouldn't have predicted it all until that last lap him winning that race. And honestly, I would say that is probably the wildest and most unpredicted finish that I've ever seen, um, you know, not just because it was my brother, but because you know, just the way it shook out and the way it, way it happened. So that would be mine, my most uh, unpredictable wildest finish. What about uh, what about you, Todd? We'll go to you. You got one you can think of? Well, my my favorite one is uh, is one I actually have a great photograph of. This is a Cherokee. I mean, maybe they're the very first March Madness, 2003 or four. Um, and, uh, you know, it's long-distance Cherokee race, you know, kind of one groove, and they're just kind of grinding it out. Um, and I guess it's uh, Chris Madden leading Earl Pearson and Dwayne Hommel. And they're all three close and, and just 
just going round and round and round. Well, on the last lap, Dwayne Hommel, he, he, he got tired of chasing them. So he tries to get under them coming out of turn four. Well, he gets into Pearson, who gets into to Madden, and all three stack up just around at the very top of the front stretch. Um, so Donnie Moran, who's riding around, not not close to them particularly, he just drives by all four of them, or all three of them and comes by and wins wins the race completely unexpected. You know, and n- nobody was saying, "Oh, Moran might pull this off." I mean, there was there was no doubt. I mean, Madden had the race won, and it was so great because so I got the, a great picture of those three kind of stacked up together, and then I. I ran out that uh, exit at Cherokee and went on the front stretch and watched um, uh, Madden and Pearson yell at Hommel for a few minutes uh, over 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 his causing the incident. But uh, um, yeah, to me that is the thing about great a great race is one when you do the guy who ends up in victory lane you did not expect. You know, there, there's some bizarre ending that uh, that that that's what makes. Uh, uh, makes you come back to the track, right? When you see some crazy finish like that. Yeah, it certainly uh, makes it even on a you know a night marathon night and a marathon race. Is you know when everyone's talking about wow that wild finish, it kind of makes it more exciting than it would have if it finished you know uh, took an hour and a half. I don't I don't know if that Cherokee race took that long, but you know going back to Beckley in the National One Hundred, I mentioned it. It kind of uh, eases the frustration of such a long race when it has a crazy finish. I'll say, I, I know the photo you're talking about, Todd. I uh, know exactly the photo you're talking about. I did not realize that you had taken that photo. So that's uh, that's pretty cool. Uh, what about you, Robert? What do you got for uh, wild finishes that come to your memory? Uh, probably, um, I go back to uh, 2008, I guess. Uh, you know, I was at Duck River uh, watching a Southern Regional Racing Series race uh, I think I was actually covering it for, for Dirt on Dirt, actually, and uh, in, in Dirt on Dirt's infancy. Uh, Dane Dacus comes from nowhere, uh, you know, and goes just across. He makes it three wide. I think it's Dane Dacus, uh, uh, Ray Cook, and Randy Weaver are battling for the a Southern Regional Race Series race. Ray Cook, Randy Weaver battling for the lead for pretty much the whole thing, and it's, it's going to be a great race. And then out of nowhere in the last couple laps, Dane Dockus just just gets the bottom going. And, you know, on the white flag lap, coming to the checkered flag, he, he cuts low, comes across, uh, he goes, passes Weaver, uh, you know, makes contact with him. He bounced over like Weaver's car. Then as, as he takes, he wins the race with all you see is the, the undercarriage of his car going by on top of the wall with sparks flying and then he comes off the wall after taking the checkered flag and lands in the front straightaway and the whole crowd just erupts they're like in in, you know in in glee it was just a wonderful wonderful finish that uh you know i'm sitting there covering it and i'm thinking he just won five thousand dollars i wonder how much he tore up to win that but man he was he was happy to win it and uh uh, I think Randy Weaver wound up um, getting disqualified for some reason. I don't, I can't, I've tried to look back through history and find out why, but I think Randy Weaver wound up getting disqualified from that race. So Ray Cook finished second and Brandon Kinzer third. But man, that was a, a thrilling, thrilling finish for a guy that just to come out of nowhere. And he threw it all on the table on that last lap. 
there you go. Got to do whatever you have to do to get it done there at the finish uh, there. What about what about you, Kevin? What you got for uh, wild finish memories? It's a wild finish. It's not actually for the win, but it's still a major uh, – it was a major event, a major happening. It was the 2011 World Finals um, down there at, uh, at the dirt track at Charlotte, and, and it was the – uh, the championship battle between Josh Richards and Rick Eckert. And I'll never forget it because it was just such a moment that it's one of those ones that just like it grabs you because uh, they went into that race. Eckert's leading by two points the last night of the season, which doesn't happen very often in itself. So, and they both started kind of far back in the fielding 17th and 20th kind of look back at that. And, uh, and they were right together. Pretty much the whole race. They were. It was obviously they weren't going to win this race, but they were going. But they were running their own battle. You don't usually look back and be beyond tenth place to see where guys are running and really keep your eye on it because there's a battle going on. But this is for a hundred thousand dollar championship, and they come down to. A, they were right in sight of each other the whole way. I think they were within one position with a restart with not many laps to go, and then Richards gets away, gets a couple, three, four spots ahead of. Uh, I think they were running ninth and 13th in that area uh, with a few going on to the last lap. They're headed to the white flag, and all of a sudden, Josh Richards gets a flat tire. I mean, he would have won the title just by finishing uh, two spots at one, actually, one spot ahead because he would have won a tiebreaker with, for more wins. Uh, uh, so he would have gotten the title that way. So all he did was find, finish tied. He gets a flat tire. The place, this is the world final. So we're talking about. 14 to 16,000 people grandstands packed. You don't get this many people in one dirt track for too many more rate from too many other races all season long. So the atmosphere is there. It's electric. The people just, I, I just remember everybody standing up. I think there's some videos, some people in the stands that you, that you could find somewhere that like everybody just stands up kind of like that last buzzer beater shot when everybody jumps up in the air in a basketball game. And uh, Eckert passes them in one and two and, and takes the championship. And it, it's, the most exciting championship finish I, I, I've ever seen. And you don't, how often does a championship go down to the last lap uh, of a season? Uh, and, and just the, that, the emotion was more prevalent in that one. And everybody felt good about, about um, Eckert finally winning that title. Cause he'd always been such a, uh, a proponent of the outlaws and such a big follower. So, uh, and just uh, people were just going, I think that was even when they had the, uh, the 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 Teletubbies were even in the stands. Everybody remembers that four guys from Pennsylvania <laughs> were dressed up as the Teletubbies, and it was perfect. He got to go down in victory lane and and pose with uh with Rick Eckert, their their hometown home state boy, uh, after a, a really exciting finish. And it just wasn't a win, but it was a championship, and that was really cool. I uh, I remember a lot about that race. I was there covering it. I was my first time with, with Dirt on Dirt there, and I remember uh, what happened with Eckert and and Richards. I remember the Teletubbies. I don't remember who won that race. <laughs> Jimmy you know, Owens. Just throw out there, Jimmy okay. Owens, because Jimmy Owens has won the finale of the World Finals a million times. I just I look back at that and I'm like, he always gets to watch the other guys have a championship uh, celebration right next to him as he wins. It seems. If I'd had to have guessed, I'd have guessed Jimmy Owens because, like you said, he's won that race a, a million times. But I, I couldn't remember because of all everything else that went on in that race. Um, but yeah, some uh, I'm sure we could sit here and come up with a, a lot more uh, wild finishes, uh, uh, memories, and races we've covered and everything. But those are some some pretty good ones. But, uh, but anyway, I think uh, we'll go ahead and uh, and get get this thing wrapped up. We'll uh, do end as we always do every week with our one more thing, where we'll go around and each uh, go with, uh, come up with a 
Uh, one more topic, whether a race result, news item, whatever it may be, that kind of stood out to us from the past week. Uh, this week, I will let Robert start us off. All right, I will. Uh, I'll just give a a shout to a local racer there, uh, about thirty minutes from me, Christian Hanger, who uh, uh, who wins three out of four starts uh, over the weekend. Uh, he won in uh, uh, the the Great Racing USA race there at Moulton, $2,000 to win in his own car. It's actually a, a car that they've put back together, a Masters-built race car. Uh, then he goes to, um, had some brake issues at Talladega, didn't finish after sitting on the, the pole, set the fast time down there in that Great Racing USA event. And then he goes to Duck River on Sunday and wins the limited late model race. Not a very big field of cars. I was a little disappointed that uh, they didn't get more cars for that race, but wins the limited late model race in his crate car. And then he drives uh, another person's car there in the 602 race and wins that race also. So he wins three out of four starts in the weekend. Pretty good weekend for Christian Hanger. And uh, I just want to give a shout out to him, uh, not only for that, also because on our way to Rome last weekend when we got rained out, we're rolling down the interstate. And I get a phone call or text. I get a, yeah, I get a phone call and it's, uh, and it's Christian hanger who happens to be behind us. And the strap had come off of our, the left side of our race car as we're going, that's dangling down the interstate. And so he gives us a phone call and he's like, Hey, are you, are you riding with Jim? And I'm like, yeah. And, uh, he's like, well, you, your strap is, you know, it's fell off your left side of your car. So we were able to pull over right as we we're exiting the, the interstate there and, and put our strap back on the left side of our car. So shout out to Christian hanger for a, a great weekend, uh, you know, locally there and also for helping a, a fellow racer out with his, uh, his tie down on his race car. There you go. Good. got, got dangerous there. Glad someone was there to, to help you guys out. Uh, Todd, what do you got for one more thing? On the Summer Nationals, I got to meet somebody the other night for the first time, uh, Tom Finch. She used to own Joe Ross Jr.'s cars back when he drove the 25 and won uh, a, a contender in Summer Nationals races and twice a winner of the Herald and Review at Macon. And I'd always heard Joe talk about Tom Finch, my partner, or Tom Finch owns my car, but I'd never met Tom. Well, I met Tom the other night because his son Tucker is now racing uh, a, a white 25 car as well. Uh, and he made his summer nationals debut, uh, uh, the other night at Lincoln. He missed the, ended up missing the feature. He missed the transfer spot by one in the heat and then one again in the, the B main after leading the B main for a while. But, uh, uh, but Tucker is, I think he's going to run a few more and, uh, it was nice to meet his dad and, uh, and, uh, to have a little bit of a connection from the old days of the summer nationals to, uh, to what's going on now. There you go, bringing in, uh, bringing some extra uh, uh, behind the scenes stuff or uh, under the radar stuff from the summer nationals. I like it. What do you got, Kevin? Uh, how about the Weaver family down there in Tennessee? Uh, Randy Weaver, the veteran, he wins on Saturday night the Ironman South race for five thousand dollars at Boyd Speedway, and the same night uh, back at Crossville Speedway, you know, right in their home, the Weaver family's hometown. Randy's son Cameron. He goes and wins the All-Star uh, Racing Series uh, show for $3,000. And this comes a week after uh, Cameron had scored the best win, the best, the biggest win of his career in uh, uh, JT Kerr Memorial at uh, 411 Motor Speedway for $10,000, a crate race with Randy finishing second. So um, just, man, it's like, uh, 
lot of good stuff to talk about in the Reaver shop, I guess, uh, uh, the last couple of weeks with, uh, with father and son both running so well. And, and I know that it seems like Cameron's really come along. I mean, in the last two weeks, he had two wins like that and, and beating his dad for a win. Uh, it seems like it, it can't, Cameron's kind of come along a little slow. He hasn't, like, I think Randy's brought him along, uh, you know, slowly. And, and Cameron's starting to come into his own, it looks like, and carrying on that Weaver name and down in the southeast. Yeah, definitely been a, a big few weeks for the uh, the Weavers uh, the family there. So I'm going to take it uh, up north to Michigan for my one more thing and, mission, and mis- mention uh, a couple of big races there. Big weekend of racing, actually, uh, in Michigan at Tri-City Motor Speedway and then Merritt uh, Speedway with a pair of 10,000 to win events. Uh, Dona, I'm going to mess this up again. I'm sure Mark Marcoulier, is that how you say it? Todd, I know you're better at pronunciation than, than I, I don't am. think it's, I don't think it's the French. I think it's Marcoulier. There you go. All right. Well, that don't, don't know Marcoulier wins the 10,000 uh, with a last lap pass uh, <laughs> to start off the weekend. And then Travis Stimler, much easier to pronounce wins at uh, on Sunday at Merritt. So a big weekend of racing in, in Michigan. Uh, those two guys are really, with all the big races, Michigan has had a lot of big regional races over the past few years. And those two guys are really racking up and, and uh, you look at what they're able to do right there for both of them relatively close at home. Um, they're, they're really taking advantage of the opportunities. Uh, you know, and I look at that, what, you know, Michigan, those, those few tracks up there have to offer to their local and regional racers. And it'd be nice to see more uh, regional races like that across the country that pay better and offer drivers the chance to stay within a few hours from home and race for big payouts like 10,000 to win and not against national touring series every time they have to do it. These three to 5,000, even the 5,000 is okay, but three and 4,000 to win regional shows. Um, just whenever we used to regional series used to always pay five or more is uh, kind of odd to see. Um, you know, when, when you see all the other big money elsewhere racing, it, it's kind of, you would love to see that kind of regional racing elsewhere. And so that was my little bit of a, a, a rant. I, I didn't get as far off, you know, into my rant as Kevin did earlier, but, uh, that was my little bit of a rant. Um, would love to see the, the, the big money regional races like you see in Michigan elsewhere. So anyway, I guess that's, uh, it's going to go ahead and do it for, uh, this week's edition of the podcast. Appreciate everyone listening and we'll be back next week to do it again. Y'all have a good one.